is my incredible honor to let you know that we are going to have Bob Fu uh, with us this morning. Bob was, uh, grew up, he, he was born actually uh, on July the 12th, 1968. He is one whole day older than me. So you are my senior, sir. I defer to you one whole day. But I really resonated with that as I discovered that and just thought about my life uh, in Christ over these, these years as, as Bob was experiencing what he was. In college, he was given a book by his English teacher who gave him this book about the persecuted, a persecuted believer in Christ in China. And it totally transformed his life with the gospel. He became a believer. He uh, quickly began a house church. He and his wife, Heidi, who Heidi is with us as well, as well as their friend, Julian. Uh, they'll be working our table that's out here. But as he and Heidi got married and they, they began a house church, they, they worked that house church and lived through the, the life of that church over the next 10 years. And he was imprisoned for two months, both he and Heidi, in 1996. He made his way out of China through Hong Kong in 1997 and escaped the brutal persecution that was going on uh, in, the communist, in communist China. Made his way to the United States and in 20, or in, in, in 2002, he began a ministry in Midland, Texas, of all places, called China Aid, where he gives support and legal aid to the persecuted church in China and to brothers and sisters who are attempting to flee communist China. So we're so thrilled to have him here with us. We were just at Voice of the Martyrs and Martyrs in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, just a couple weeks ago. And folks, we are the body of Christ, amen? 1 Corinthians 12 declares that we are the body of Christ. We are all, we are, some of us are hands, some of us are, are feet. But when we heard this understanding of the body of Christ in Bartlesville, what they told us was this, the American church is the mouth. I really resonated with that, okay? But we're the mouthpiece for the church because we can give a voice to the persecuted who cannot speak for themselves, amen? And so we want you to understand that in a much more deep way today by hearing Bob and Heidi's story as he shares about the persecuted church in the world. Would you stand with me? Would you give an EVC welcome to Pastor Bob Fu? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, uh, Pastor Randy, for my being a humble younger brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, good morning, e Eagles View Church. It's, um, it's really an um, honor and blessing already for the, after the first service. I see this uh, is very... Uh, dynamic and um, unstoppable, um, beautiful church. Uh, thank you, um, Pastor Bird, and um, I also want to thank uh, specifically to the uh, Campbell family, Denise, and uh, I don't know whether Princess Hannah is here or not, um, but um, um, really, you at least before I came here, I know for sure. Uh, this is uh, the church, really, uh, that you have a heart to walk with the persecuted brothers and sisters. Uh, not only be a mouthpiece, speaking up, and, but also you 
try to walk the walk. And uh, Denise can um, share with you the story, the adventures. She and Hannah followed me <laughs> to Hong Kong. Uh, that's before Hong Kong fell, uh, uh, just a couple of years ago, as you saw, you know, uh, watched on TV. The Communist Party basically took absolute control now in Hong Kong. I mean, no more so-called one country, two systems. The socialist system in mainland China, supposedly, after Hong Kong was turned over to China, the Communist Party made an international commitment to keep Hong Kong with the capitalist system, um, the, with a free, promised free uh, society, judicial independence, no more. And um, so some, a few years ago, when we held uh, leadership training uh, for the group of house church leaders over there, and um, I made an invitation for um, Denise to go, and uh, I think she didn't anticipate the uh, adventures more, was more exciting than she thought. <laughs> so the Communist Party even sent his spies right inside our hotel, and... Um, um, some other stories. But we all know, of course, um, as uh, the follower of Christ, um, we are constantly actually live in the spiritual battle, right? How many of you believe we're not only living in this uh, two-dimension, three-dimension world, right? There is a bigger battle. If you believe um, the, the, the book of Ephesians, what he said, the spiritual battle is uh, uh, being launched everywhere. And the very first, uh, one of the first songs I really love and uh, keep really ringing um, with the choir uh, singing, you know, the, 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 the hell has lost another one. The hell has lost another one. When Christ gained us, when Christ saved us, when Christ redeemed us, it is a big victory. It is really, I think, behind the scenes, it was a, a major cosmetic, cos, cosmos, you know, cosmos battle, right? Because uh, you have a heavenly immigration effort, you know. It's from the kingdom of darkness, kingdom of uh, condemnation, kingdom of eternal hell to the kingdom of light, kingdom of life. Right? Kingdom of eternal uh, life. It is not a small deal. Um, every one soul. So you bet the, the devil was very, very upset. Very, very angry. And um, both in a personal way, the spiritual battle, but also in a societal, institutional way. How many of you, I mean, believe that, uh, you know, the devil has never... Try to let up, you know, pursuing the kingdom of light. Try to defeat, try to destroy, you know, God's kingdom. You believe that, right? In 1949, when Communist Party took power in China, led by that brutal dictator, Chairman Mao, after one and a half centuries of gospel work, by so many 
foreign missionaries and many even shared their blood and sweat. I mean, even martyred. I mean, you remember in 1900 during the Boxer Rebellion in China, hundreds of foreign missionaries were martyred, killed by those uh, uh, rebellious uh, Chinese uh, kind of um, um, who were against the, I mean, uh, the foreign missionaries. And then in 1912, the Communist Party was established, and they also started a political movement. Uh, specifically targeting the foreign missionaries. So in 1949, when the Communist Party took control of mainland China, after one half century's labor, the recorded number of Chinese Christians was estimated about 700,000, so less than one million Chinese Christians. And uh, by 1955, all the foreign missionaries were kicked out of China. Every one of them were expelled. And it left a, a, a vulnerable Chinese church over there with 700,000 members under the Chinese communism control. And then the Communist Party launched political, one political moment after another. And the first moment actually was in 1950. Uh, one, two years after they took power, they launched a movement called uh, the um, Anti-America Aid Korea Three Self Patriotic Movement. That's the first Protestant, like Christian movement, the Communist Party led to launch. Of course, the Korean War started. They used that slogan and to start the first wave of persecution against the Chinese Christians. So hundreds of thousands of Christians were forced to uh, renounce their genuine Christian faith, put on the stage, and then 1956, and on and on, a more and more political moment. By 1966, the first year when Communist Party started the Cultural Revolution. How many of you are aware of the Cultural Revolution? Chairman Mao's Cultural Revolution. And basically, the Chairman Mao launched that political movement and uh, declared China as an atheist country. And uh, one of the first things the Communist Party did was a Bible-burning campaign. You have Chairman Mao's wife, Madam Jiang Qing, basically... Uh, gathered um, hundreds of thousands of copies of Bibles, put them on truckloads, and, uh, and dumped them on the central square in Shanghai, the largest city. And uh, before the Bibles were ordered uh, to be burnt with fire, this is what Madam Jiang Qing declared. She said, Haha, from today on, the very vocabulary called Christianity will be forever belong to the History Museum of China. What an arrogant declaration, right? <laughs> she thought she was in control. She thought by burning these hundreds of thousands of copies of the Bibles into ashes, 
She declared the death of Christianity in China. All the pastors, every Christian, I mean, as long as you are still pronounced as Christian, were thrown into prison, labor camp, and that's when the pastor who married Heidi and I in 1993, he was arrested. And he spent 22 years imprisonment. And even the government-sanctioned church was totally banned, destroyed. Their pastor, I mean, that was the so-called, you know, aiding Korea, anti-American, three-self-patriotic moment church, they called. They were all sent to re-education through labor camp. So, on the surface, Christianity was done because there's no open church anymore. No Christian is even allowed to exist. But guess what? Ten years later, after the, right after the Cultural Revolution was about to end it in 1976, instead of the death, you know, the demise of Christianity, Madam Jiang Qing, Chairman Mao's wife, was arrested. And later on, she was found hanged herself committed suicide when she was under trial. And then in the early 1980s, a group of American missionaries went to Hong Kong, started a survey, basically interviewing uh, you know, many who escaped from mainland China to Hong Kong. At that time, Hong Kong you know, was still belonged to the British control. And they interviewed multiple, multiple people who swam from the river, fled to, to Hong Kong, and they found out, actually, there is a live church in China. That was the beginning of the discovery of the existence of the, maybe we call the, the, the most rapid growth of Christianity since the time of Adam. Many people said, because at that time, People found those missionaries, those theologians from, from America. They basically dictate what they surveyed and interviewed. They said, oh, in this village, there is a church. In that village, there's another church. People were worshiping, actually, on the boat, at the forest, under the caves. There's still like a cave seminary, I mean, in the caves. And uh, they worship, they couldn't worship at daytime because the red guards are watching. They all go to, I mean, at midnight, they started the worship service. And uh, not only the, the, the adults, now they, they uh, pass the gospel to their children. You know what? By 1990s, according to um, Yin kind of complete survey, the recording number of Christians by that time already reached to 60 million. 60 million from less than 1 million when the Communist Party took power. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I mean, that's, I mean, who has won the victory? Right? Unstoppable. Undefeatable. I'm glad that uh, Pastor... Bert started the series on, based on the book of Acts, and you would taste a little bit what I call prison theology from next week. 
you will have uh, somebody uh, is very creative from this church and even build a mobile prison that I hope you all can have the privilege to enter into that prison and just meditate. Spend five minutes over there. I'm sure the life, you know, would be different. And meditating, thinking, this is not a unique experience by the Chinese church, by the North Korean church, by the Iranian church, by the, you know, uh, the, the Nigerian church, or Pakistanian church, Afghanistan, you know, Afghanistan church. This is the church experience from the early time, the book of Acts, right? Actually from the time of Jesus, right? And the book of Acts, and throughout the history of the church, it is a history of persecution. It is a history of uh, God's victory despite the persecution. And you know, today, how many Chinese Christians? Just give a guess. Come on, we're good at number in West Texas. <laughs> how many? 50 million? Well, you have little faith. Yeah, because by 1990, I already said 60 million. So you even decreased 10 million. <laughs> now, the Purdue University, you just Google if their Google is still accurate. I don't know. <laughs> but the number of Chinese Christians, according to a survey, by the Purdue University, you know, a secular university from Indiana, a group of sociologists focused on the world religious studies. I mean, they put a team and uh, did a survey and by going into China, interviewed, and for three years, and they came to conclude this is what they found. That was like a few years ago. They said the number of Chinese Christians at that time, has already reached to a minimum 100 million. 100 million. 100 million. You think the devil was asleep? You know? No. That's what's happening. Despite of uh, all of this, in the middle of this, in the past uh, three, five years, Thousands of churches were being deliberately torn down, demolished by the bulldozers, burnt, destroyed. And churches were invaded by the police every Sunday. I mean, at least uh, some 30 to 50,000 churches were like uh, totally, I mean, on paper declared illegal and banned. Hundreds of thousands of Christians yeah, we're detained. So we even, I mean, at China Aid as an a, a organization, a, a Christian organization based in Midland, we had issued annual persecution report against Christians for the past 15 years. So that's the primary source that be used by, the, by Congress, by the White House, State Department, annual uh, uh, human rights report, a number of committees, you know, from Canada to European Union. And from last year, we lost the count because there's too many 
who got detained, arrested. We couldn't even, you know, record all their names. But in the past, if you go to ChinaAid.org, you will find our annual report. And we had our investigators on the ground basically recorded every instances that we can find. Of course, a lot of them, because under threat and censorship, we couldn't. But these are happening. I mean, you see the church, when the pastor was preaching, the police came in and took possession of their offering box. And basically, in front of the congregation, they took the money away. And last year, one Christian sister, a house church leader in South China, she was sentenced to 12 years imprisonment. The only crime on her indictment was she set up an offering box when the church service starts. And she was accused of uh, engaging business fraud, illegal business fraud. 12 years. Another of her assistant received 10 years imprisonment. And this church called Early Rain Covenant Church. I mean, this is a photo taken after two waves of heavy persecution. It was a church with uh, over 400 members, an unregistered church. The pastor was arrested, and then 200 members were also arrested. Uh, but the, 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 after all these massive arrests, this has happened. They came back, I mean, they kneeling down and pray. So that is the power of the gospel. That is the prayer, the power of the prayer. I mean, they keep going, keep going. And the pastor, Pastor Wang Yi, received nine years imprisonment. I will share a little bit more later on. So this is um, what the Chinese church had been experiencing as it's recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 to 10. And what Paul had described in the early church says, we are hard-pressed on every side. Yes, like the Chinese church are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Because you, you, you are praying for them. They don't feel they are abandoned. I actually sent a little tweet this morning. and basically telling our Chinese brothers and sisters, we are praying for them at Eagles View Church this morning. Struck down, but not destroyed. Yes, the church building, the offering box were torn apart, were destroyed. Thousands of crosses. I mean, the Communist Party basically launched a war against the, that little cross on the rooftop of the church building. Sent hundreds, thousands sometimes. The military police driving the bulldozers and had technicians climb on the rooftop to saw that, I mean, cut off, tear down. And uh, one pastor and his wife received 14 years and 10 years imprisonment for refusing to voluntarily tear down the cross of his church. 
from that is from Zhejiang Province, the East Coast. Yes, they were struck down, but they are not destroyed. Amen. Because this is what Paul wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He said, "Because we always, as Christians, we always carry around in our body the death." Of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Brothers and sisters, this is the experience of the persecuted church. They are being surrounded. They are being pressed. They are being perplexed, being persecuted, being struck down. But they are not crushed; they are not in despair; they are not abandoned; they are not destroyed. Because exactly as we just, you know, worship in the beginning, we sing the song that we, our champion, is a resurrected Savior and Lord, right? And He is our advocate, our Savior. And Redeemer, He's not just、uh, showing up one time on Sunday, and He's not showing up only in the church building. But we always can count on Him. We always can count on Him. So the persecuted church in the past few years got the most intensive one we have not seen since the Cultural Revolution. In China, you have, for the first time in 40 years, the Communist Party mandated those church who are still allowed to exist. You have to put、uh, two photos. I mean, one is Chairman Mao's photo, one is Chairman Xi Jinping's photo, right on the pulpit of the church on the stage, and、uh, you know, Chairman Xi, Chairman Mao. Some of you knew a little bit Chinese history and communist history. Under him, at least 80 million Chinese lives were murdered, were killed. Blood on his hands. He was. His picture has to be honored in the church pulpit. And the other one, Chairman Xi Jinping, he's the one has engineered the latest wave of persecution. And even a genocide is happening to an ethnic minority called Uyghurs in West China. Between one to three million, these ethnic Uyghurs, Kazakhs, and even Christians, and most of them are Muslims, they are living in modern-day concentration camp. I mean, here's a photo. Let me just forward early. That's. Yeah, this is a, a real photo of those who are in the concentration camp, and and yet this guy, his portrait was being mandated to be on the other side of、uh, the right side of the cross. Some household leaders told me they said, "Oh, well, actually, the more you study this picture, the more they feel." It looks like a matching a biblical picture. 
When was the last time when our Savior Jesus was crucified? Two men were on both sides, right? That was a, except Chairman Mo already died without any hope. So he's uh, looking up, and uh, the other guy still has some hope. So every day. Millions of Chinese Christians who are under intensive persecution because of him are praying for him, praying for his salvation, praying for this brutal dictator, President Xi Jinping's salvation. In fact, Pastor Wang Yi, this is a. Pastor Wang Yi. The pastor of Early Rain Covenant Church, he received nine years imprisonment, nine years for that one Sunday sermon based on the text of John three sixteen, just because he publicly asked the congregation to pray for the salvation of President Xi Jinping, and publicly challenged him to stop the persecution, the evil. Religious policy against Christians, publicly offer him the free grace, the gospel of Jesus Christ, by declaring, "If presidency, you still have a chance. Confess your sin, accept Jesus Christ as your savior." He was arrested and sentenced to nine years imprisonment. That's his wife, and they have a. Little boy, when he was arrested in 2020, his wife was also separated, kidnapped in an undisclosed location, under the punishment called residential surveillance in an undisclosed location. For months, nobody is able to know where she is, and she turned up. She was tortured very severely, and their six-year-old boy. Joshua was also separated, and the church school, the church was totally smashed. You know, they rented, and they they have their own private uh, uh, from elementary school to a university. It was an urban church, grew very fast, and um, so the little boy now every day has to take a police. Car to go to a communist party brainwash school every day, going back and forth, and she he has to ask for permission to meet with his own mother while his father is serving nine years imprisonment. So that is、uh, the reality. But are they in despair? Are they abandoned? Are they destroyed, brothers and sisters? No, right? You better believe that now, after three years of persecution, according to the projection of Purdue University, the same serve the same group of sociologists, they put a note when they said, by that time, I think it's four some years ago or five years ago when they. Finished their survey and made the projection, and、uh, they said, 
you know, now they, they believe over 100 million Christians in China already. And uh, they said, if Chinese government relaxed its religious, repressive religious policy, means less persecution, they believe by 2030, by 2030, the number of Chinese Christians will reach to at least 224 million. That's two, more than two-thirds of American population. You think the devil is happy? <laughs> 224 million. That is about, you know, China is the population 1.5 or 4 billion. So that's more than 20%. They basically, the Purdue University declared, it said, that by that time, China will become the world's largest Christian nation. He said, even after Communist Party relaxes policy, because they studied the trend of growth, found out when the persecution are more intensive, the growth are more intensive too. So now, in the past five years, we experienced the most severe persecution in 40 years. You better believe that that day is not 2030 anymore, perhaps 2020. The gospel explosion will occur and continue to occur inside China. It's not automatic, but this is what had happened. Pastor, I mean this brother, always, I always call him pastor because he is a gospel evangelist, brother Chen Wenshong. He was a mafia head of his city, Chairman Mo's hometown, ironically. And then during his imprisonment in his hometown, he heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and he became a diehard follower of Christ, by heart. So he could not stop every day but sharing the gospel, try to look for those who have not heard the gospel. So last year, just on New Year's Eve, he decided to go to the marketplace and uh, he made a, a, a little cross and put some Chinese words, means uh, believe in Christ, oh, God loves you, and uh, you're, you will be saved. And uh, he basically, with his own like loudspeaker on his shoulder, he's just his own like evangelist team. And he shared the gospel on the marketplace. On the same day, he was arrested for engaging illegal religious activities. He was sentenced to seven days administrative detention. Now, guess what? At the seventh day, when his 80-year-old mother met with him at the gate of the prison, he started by declaring, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. He said, the Lord gave me seven-day intensive evangelism inside my prison cell. <laughs> Everyone have heard the gospel, he said. He said, when can you get the, that kind of uh, best opportunity when nobody can move out? <laughs> and we have to hear the gospel. And so he engaged that, 
And the, so the mother said, son, let's go. So they established a mother-son evangelist team right after he was released, going to the marketplace, share the gospel on the same day. And then he was arrested again, the same day, January 7th, 2021. This time, because it's a repeated offense, his uh, sentence was doubled. It's 14 days of administrative detention. He was happy. <laughs> and uh, so he, by the 14th day, he was released. And then instead of his mother, I mean, his mother was not uh, put in prison because he, she was deemed too old. And uh, the authority was not even allowed her, his father to go. So they sent like 15 uh, uh, you know, public security officers from uh, Public Security Bureau, Bureau, Religious Affairs Bureau, Communist Party, United Front Working Department, Neighborhood Committee. Everybody went there to welcome him, to escort him home so that he won't go again. They said, oh, we are concerned you because the third time you will have a harder time. So we love you. We want to make sure you won't do that. So they kind of uh, escorted him back home. Guess what? I received a message right after the same day when this seven, 15 some uh, 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 Communist Party official left. He declared a total victory. He said, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. I mean, guess what? He said, this time, God even sent 15 Communist Party officials to my own home, in my living room, sitting there for seven hours, nonstop, listening to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, you can't find any other thing, right? He was happy. He said, uh, even by the end of the conversation, the seventh hour, he said one Communist Party official came up to him, asked for a copy of the Bible. Isn't that beautiful? That, that is the... The experience, he's just, you know, one of hundreds of thousands, brothers and sisters. This is called prison theology. I, in my book, I said, because the pastor who baptized me spent 17 years imprisonment for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The pastor who married Heidi and I spent 22 years. They both told me and Heidi, said, Prison theology, there's no way to escape unless you compromise your faith, unless you don't want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Remember what Paul said, if anyone, not only Chinese, Iranians, North Koreans, anyone, I believe it includes Americans too, anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, will, shall be persecuted. And Paul also says, my brothers, you're not only believing in him, in Christ Jesus, you're not only granted to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. As Pastor Randy mentioned about the founder of Voice of Martyrs is Richard Wurmbrett. He spent 14 or 14-some years in Romania, communist Romania prison, 
for sharing the gospel to the Soviet Union soldiers. And he called it sufferology. Basically, the theology of suffering. I think this is one topic our seminary in the U.S. are needing maybe a course. But this is happening. This is how the gospel revived in the Chinese church. Of course, uh, Pastor, oh, we not able to move. So pa another pastor, Pastor Wang Yi, who received nine years imprisonment. This is what he said. I read to you to conclude. He said. He he basically prepared this right before he was imprisonment. Imprisoned. He knew. Prison theology is inevitable. And so right after he was imprisoned, the church releases this text. He said, separate me from my wife and children. Ruin my reputation. Now he's called an evil cult leader. Destroy my life and my family. The communist authorities are capable of doing all of these things. However, no one in this world can force me to renounce my faith. No one can make me change my life. And no one can raise me from the dead. You'd bet, bet, better bet that uh, Pastor Wang Yi is not resting in his prison nine years. And my good friend, uh, North Carolina, uh, Chinese-American pastor, Pastor John Hall, who was sentenced to seven years imprisonment for establishing a school for 2,000 children. After one, years, one year at his school, all the 2,000 children had come to Christ. The devil was not happy. Seven years imprisonment. We smuggled out some beautiful poems he wrote from his prison. And we just published just the last month. So grab a copy after that. And so my request is to really, the brothers and sisters in China, they're not asking you to say, okay, just to, you know, release us, just to give us freedom. They actually ask us to pray that they can be steadfast, like Pastor Brother Chen Wenxiong despite of the persecution, in the middle of the persecution, to continue have their faith strengthened so that they can continue to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ in prison so the revival can continue. They, they will harvest the unspeakable joy. So we have this prayer, small kind of a pocket prayer book, uh, on a card, you can put it with their stories and remember them in prison as if we are their fellow prisoners. Can you commit to that? Yeah, let me pray over you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your Spirit's presence in this congregation. I bless each one in the Eagles VU Church, Lord. May you bless their families, and may you also let them uh, receive the double, triple portion of the same spirit you gave 
to the persecuted brothers and sisters in China so that the gospel mission can continue even in the United States of America and bring revival and repentance to this nation so that um, your kingdom continue to, to reign over this nation. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.